Hello and welcome to the latest edition of WISMED On Call, the Wisconsin Medical Society's bi-weekly podcast of healthcare issues and personalities. Today, as we record, it is Wednesday, June 13th, 2018. I'm Mark Rappentine, Senior Vice President of Government Relations. And good morning. This is Lisa Davidson, Vice President for Advocacy and Membership. Today we're departing a bit from the typical programming we have on WISMED On Call to talk a little bit about politics. Lisa and I are well steeped in a lot of the Wisconsin stuff over the years. So instead of talking about just healthcare politics, we're going to talk about the bare bones elections related results, especially because yesterday we had a special, a couple special elections in the state legislature, got a lot of attention. Anything that happens right now um, in terms of special elections nationwide is compared against President Trump's uh, performance in those districts, and so there's a lot of extrapolations that go off of that. But we're not going to get into that too deeply. Today is more intended to be just uh, information about what we're seeing in Wisconsin and some of the candidates and some of the races that are, are getting a lot of attention, and we'll just go from there. So let's start with uh, the two big kahunas that are going to be at the top of the ballot, and that's the governor's race and the race for U.S. Senate. So on the governor's side, you have incumbent Scott Walker running for another term. He would be his third if he if he were to win. Uh, facing a, a Republican challenger in the primary, that probably isn't going to do much, to be honest. But the, the big thing that people are looking for for the primary on August 14th are the 10 Democratic candidates. Uh, the order that they're going to appear on the ballot was announced this week. That's always a big thing. They choose it randomly at the Elections Commission. Uh, it'll start with Andy Gronick and go um, all the way to Dana Walks. And believe it or not, they didn't do it in alphabetical order, but that is set. Um, there'll be a couple third-party candidates, a libertarian and then a Wisconsin physician. Dr. Uh, Michael White is running on the Wisconsin Green Party. I'm not sure we've ever had a Wisconsin Green Party get enough signatures to make it onto the ballot. So kudos to him. Uh, down the road, we'll have more information about the physicians that are running for various offices. We'll just mention them in this podcast, um, but we'll, uh, we'll get into the details a little bit more down the road. So Lisa, what do you think about the, the governor's race? So both parties finished up their conventions recently, and we saw some uh, candidates emerge that uh, were preferred by the grassroots participants. Uh, and the uh, Republican gubernatorial race, obviously Scott Walker's the incumbent and, and has the strong support of the uh, grassroots uh, in the Republican Party. We saw Kelda Royce emerge from the Democratic Convention as the uh, preferred candidate by those who participated there. Um, obviously, it's a big field, and, and so that, uh, you know, obviously there was some effort that all candidates put into that, being able to uh, win those straw polls. Um, one of only two female candidates running on the Democratic side, you know, there is a lot of energy um, behind female candidates nationwide this year, um, so that's uh, interesting to note that. Uh, she certainly has uh, capitalized on the, the fact that she is a working mother um, and, and made that uh, quite evident in her campaign. So how she capitalizes on some of that momentum coming out of the convention um, remains to be seen. Um, but, you know, obviously that, that race is going to start to uh, pick up more steam and, and see kind of who starts to emerge both in their, their fundraising efforts and uh, when we see some polling start to emerge. And it's going to be hard for folks to even learn much about these candidates outside of you know going to everyone's website and looking at and seeing what they put out there. 
you know, the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association was flirting with doing a, 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 a debate, a televised debate on a Friday uh, leading up to the primary and um, kind of a profile in courage, they decided that they were going to have four candidates, max, and that the candidates would be the top four poll getters in the Marquette Law School uh, poll, Badger poll, that um, uh, Charles Franklin does, professor from at Marquette. But then they also had to show that they could raise at least $250,000, which I thought was um, very telling for the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association, which, you know, just kind of a little personal uh, opinion here, since we're allowed to do that every once in a while. You know, the TV and the radio folks get an awful lot of money from candidates running for office because of the broadcast ads. And so the fact that one of the telling parts of being able to make it into a, a broadcast for a debate was that you had to show that you could raise enough money was pretty interesting. Um, but was, what was even better at the, you know, the bit cherry on top of this Sunday was once there was so much backlash, including from Professor Franklin himself, who put out a statement saying, this is not how you should use my poll, by the way, mm -hmm. and from the Democratic candidates, some of which were already starting to say, hey, I'm not even going to show up if it's limited. Uh, rather than expand the format to maybe a couple hours or maybe having a couple days of debates and getting everybody that has taken the time to be on the ballot to get them in front of the cameras, they just pulled the plug. And then not only did they pull the plug on that debate, they pulled the plug on one they were planning to do for the U.S. Senate uh, Republican primary. So kind of interesting to, to follow how this goes on, and it's something that those of us who follow politics and also follow the posturing of some of the, um, the editorials in the state in the broadcast world. We'll just file that away for a, a, an FYI, but that's just because I'm old and grumpy sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of the U.S. Senate race, that's, that's clearly the other big, big, uh, uh, big race going on with, with uh, Tammy Baldwin running for another, uh, another term, another six-year term, and, and a very um, energetic Republican primary. What, what's your, uh, your take on that, Lise? Yeah, so, so clearly people um, nationwide, you know, this is a, a race to watch and then and the broader set of what the U.S. Senate is going to look like next year. And basically looking at, you know, right now the uh, Republican candidates. So, you know, there's more than two. <laughs> there, there, there's actually four um, or actually five. five yeah. But we're focused on two because there, there's two candidates that, that seem to have been garnering the most fundraising attention um, and, and also the uh, grassroots and, and all of that. So we have two candidates from Waukesha County, which we know bleeds bright red and is a, a very strong place for um, Republican candidates um, to emerge from. So we have State Senator Leah Vukmir. Um, she's been in the legislature um, for a while. She actually kind of uh, ascended into the legislature um, upon Scott Walker uh, making his move to the executive branch. And so she's been in the Assembly and the Senate. She is from uh, Brookfield. Uh, she has a healthcare background. She's, she's been chair of the Senate um, Health Committee. And then we also have uh, Kevin Nicholson. Um, he is from Pewaukee. And he, he's an interesting candidate. I, I think some of us that are close followers of, of politics um, have noted some of the media coverage. Um, so he um, is not an, an existing um, politician or does not currently hold office. He rather has a military background. Um, and one of the things that the, the media has gravitated to is that in his earlier years, he had a um, leadership position with the uh, college Democrats and has uh, since converted, a la President Reagan, <laughs> to uh, a more conservative mindset and, and, and thus is, is seeking the office 
as a Republican. It's been really interesting uh, to see how this race has, has shaken out in terms of who's aligning themselves with each of these candidates, as well as where is the money coming from. Um, we've seen a lot of money um, going into the race already, um, but it's worth noting that there is a lot of outstate support um, coming in for Kevin Nicholson um, in terms of boots on the ground and funding. Um, we're seeing Leah Vukmir rely more on the traditional Republican Wisconsin grassroots. Um, and so we saw some dust up when the uh, signatures were turned in to the uh, Elections Commission about uh, you know looking at were the people circulating the, uh, the papers, uh, Wisconsin residents, or were they from out of state? Um, even though it's permissible, um, it was something that, that came to light. And so I think that's going to continue to be um, something that we'll see as a, a point to perhaps differentiate these candidates. Um, obviously, the issue about each of their backgrounds, as it should be, um, you know, is front and center. There's already been a few debates um, that have been uh, hosted for these two um, Republican candidates for, for Senate. And, and so you're going to hear the consistent theme coming from Leah Vukmir about, you know, her, her background as well as her voting record um, and that that's been, you know, very conservative and, and consistently so um, that she has that record. And with, you know, Kevin Nicholson um, having a military record, which obviously is, is laudable and attractive, um, he doesn't have a, a voting record. Um, and so the idea of something that you can point to for a consistent um, political perspective isn't there. And so that's going to continue to uh, be prominent point, um, you know, as we see both the ads come out um, and in, in further debates. We've seen a little bit of polling come out. Obviously, um, we've seen some Marquette polling, the last of which I think was commissioned at the end of February. And we see that uh, largely people don't know who these candidates are. <laughs> and, and so there's, there's obviously a, a lot of work um, to, to be done. And so there's, there's some polling, obviously, depending upon who, you know, who commissions it that shows one candidate is up and one candidate is down. But regardless of those, we're seeing that it's, it's still very close. Um, but still, there, there's a lot of work to be done to get to know people um, around the state and have them understand what they're you know, standing for and what they'd like to do um, in the Senate. We obviously saw the Republican convention, you know, as that, that wrapped up a, a big race to watch there was the, the straw poll on, on the Senate. And Leah Vukmir was successful um, in winning that. And yeah, that was an official endorsement, actually. That yeah. Day. Yeah. So that, they both tried to make their cases, and, and I think it, they had to get a 60% threshold in order to get the endorsement of the party, and Senator Vukmir was able to, to get that. How important is that, do you think, for her campaign? <sighs> You know, it, it's hard to say. It really remains to be seen. Obviously, the state GOP is putting some money um, into her effort um, with some recent ad buys. But, you know, it, it's it's still so early. I mean, we're not even in the official, you know, summer, silly season. summer yeah. solstice right, or right. Yes, silly season. Um, so, you know, it's that's going to be a really interesting litmus test th this year. Um, so that that is something that I think we'll um, we'll have some retrospective on to see was that helpful or was that harmful. Um, so I'm going to put that and in, in remains to be seen. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting race to watch because we know more and more that there's going to be 
um, focus on this from a lot of outstate interest. Obviously, we've seen the incumbent, um, Senator Tammy Baldwin, bring in a number of U.S. senators that are high profile from other states. Most recently, Senator Kamala Harris um, from California was in the state um, helping her um, at some events. And so I think she's going to continue to do that, to look at some of her uh, peers in the Senate that are kind of her rock stars. Um, so that will continue, and then we'll see what happens in terms of some national figures that might come and campaign uh, for Republicans, even you know during the primary. Um, so definitely nationally, we know this is a, a race to watch. Um, I think still looking at some of the uh, stalwart uh, national groups that follow politics on a nonpartisan basis, they still think this leans Dem. And uh, this uh, blue wave, blue trickle, whatever, you know, depends on what side of the, the aisle you're on, um, will that momentum carry into this race like other races? We'll see. We'll see. I, I think, you know, obviously uh, Tammy Baldwin is up on the air um, doing, a, doing issue ads that are focused around you know, her support for manufacturing as well as the um, opioid epidemic and, and kind of telling a, a personal story of that. And, and so I think we'll see some more of that from the Republicans about, you know, their thoughts on some specific issues. Obviously, I think we can clearly tell where they're going to land as it relates to some of the health care issues. Just to tie a bow on this race before we get it quickly through the, uh, the House races. So there, it's dangerous to do it, but this does have some echoes of six years ago when Senator Baldwin was first running for her first term and there was a pretty uh, nasty Republican primary. And in the end, it turned out to be a Tammy versus Tommy race, you know, Tommy Thompson, former governor. Um, but there was definitely upon the postmortem of that election where Tammy ended up winning pretty handily, um, you know, uh, former Governor Thompson didn't have money to go on the air right away uh, after the primary, and he went dark. It may have, there was a lot of a lot of attention given, to the, ironically, to the fact that there wasn't any attention he was bringing to his own campaign because he couldn't afford it. Mm -hmm. And you kind of wonder if that's going to be the case this time around, if that's the same difficulty the GOP faces, but now you're going against an incumbent who has already, as you said, been on the air with a couple ads that... You know, just from a straight politics standpoint and a political standpoint and a media standpoint, I think they're pretty impressive from, from the incumbent senator. So it's going to be an interesting one to watch. You're right. It's going to be national attention. I bet the president comes in on this one at some point, um, and that'll make everything even more interesting. So, so that said, um, we have uh, eight House of Representative races. Um, uh, the one we'll point out that is um, uh, there is no opponent for the second congressional district. That's Mark Pocan here in uh, the beautiful Madison area. Uh, he did face a candidate at one point that came from a party name that I hadn't heard before, which is the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost Party. But apparently that gentleman did not get enough signatures to make it onto the ballot. So he is is uh, uh, going to be free as a bird for another term and can probably go next door to the East to potentially play some yeah. role in the first. And, and why don't we talk a little bit about some <laughs> of the hot seats that are, are going to be races for, for the House of Representatives. Sure. Well, I think uh, I think we can kind of go in numerical order. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously you'd have to be living under a rock to, <laughs> to not know that Paul Ryan is not seeking re-election. Oh, breaking um, news. We have breaking news on this podcast. <laughs> Alert! <laughs> so uh, the first congressional district, in which, you know, the, the, uh, the speaker uh, continues to hold through uh, through the end of the year, that's going to be really interesting. You know, obviously, before he announced uh, his uh, stepping down from, from Congress after this term, we already had a, a few Democrats that were, 
you know, raising money and, and you know, being out there um, really, you know, campaigning hard against the speaker and against the president. Um, one of which in particular, you know, Randy Bryce, uh, he is the uh, iron stash, iron worker um, who has been out there for a while. He's a, a Democrat from Racine and, you know, he's been pretty high profile. You know, he's had visits from Bernie Sanders and some other national figures. And so he's going to obviously continue to, to be on the ballot as a Democratic challenger. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, obviously there's, there's another Democratic challenger in Kathy Myers. Uh, but he, he seems to have a lot of traction as well as a lot of grassroots support. Um, on the Republican side, obviously a little bit of a scramble after Speaker Ryan made his announcement, um, but we did have uh, a fair number of Republican candidates that, that we see now that will be on the ballot. I think one in particular, Brian Stile, you know, the, the Stile family is very well known in Republican politics in Janesville, and uh, his name immediately floated. Um, after the speaker made his announcement. So I think that he seems to have, you know, some momentum there. Um, he's a younger candidate. You know, he's someone that's, uh, you know, very well known in, in the Rock County GOP uh, community. Um, so we'll see how, you know, support lines up for him. Obviously some other, you know, candidates on the Republican side on the ballot. But I think right now that's probably where uh, the attention lies. And, and so we'll see how that shakes out. Um, that might be a little bit of a bruising race for the Republicans to see who can carry the mantle um, in that district. So, you know, definitely one to watch, and, and I'm sure there'll probably be some ads going up soon in, in that media market, which will span, you know, Racine, Kenosha, and Milwaukee. And pretty sure that most of the national pundits have put this race now as a toss-up. Um, mm -hmm. because there's just you just don't know what's going to happen based on the amount of money that could come in on either side and who's going to be running. So we already talked about the second. We've got the third with incumbent Democratic uh, Representative Ron Kind facing a Republican opponent. It's probably worth noting that uh, um, Congressman Kind was one of only a handful of districts in the country two years ago that was a Democrat who, who won his seat while the district went for Trump. There were not a lot of uh, districts that did that, but his was one. So one would think that in a midterm election, uh, um, he's probably in, in pretty good shape in that district. Uh, and, you know, Congressman Kine, to that point, Mark, you know, I think representing the district well, he's consistently been ranked one of the most bipartisan members of Congress. And, and so, you know, perhaps that's... That's why we see that that unique fit there. That you know, that's that's where his district is at, and and that's how he uh, that's how he chooses to you know to govern. Mm -hmm. All right, down to the fourth, you have Gwen Moore as the incumbent Democrat from uh, the Milwaukee area district. An interesting primary opponent is Gary George, <laughs> who uh, I was quite honestly surprised to see that name show up again. Former state senator uh, was often a candidate for governor. Uh, because his, it, it just so happened that his four-year Senate term was opposite from the gubernatorial term, so he was able to kind of make those races for free. But I think everyone expects that Congresswoman Moore will be will be coming back to Washington. Um, in, in the fifth, we have another physician candidate. We have uh, uh, Jennifer Vipond, who is running in the primary against incumbent representative Jim Sensenbrenner. And that'll be a, a, an interesting one to watch just to see how that all plays out. Uh, then um, some an area that you know well, Lisa, and that's the sixth. Ah, the sixth congressional district. Um, it is quite large. Um, it spans all the way from Mequon to Beaver Dam to Manitowoc over to Wapaka. 
Um, it's you know all the way down into Columbia County. It's a fairly rural um, district. Um, currently, the the seat is held by um, Glenn Grothman. We had a number of years the seat was held by Tom uh, Petri, um, so very very long serving uh, member of Congress. And when he chose to step down, we, we saw a competitive primary where um, Congressman Grothman e emerged and, and obviously was seated. You know, it, it's it's a different time right now, and so you know this race out of all of our congressional districts might end up being the one where we see the most money spent. Um, it might be really you know much more competitive than we've seen in the past. Um, the challenger, um, Democratic candidate Dan Cole, he is the nephew um, of former United States Senator. Um, Herb Cole. Um, so obviously the Cole name, you know, certainly has some history and, and is well known. You know, it, it's kind of has some shades of the U.S. Senate race. Um, you know, Dan Cole um, hasn't consistently lived in the district. We know that'll be an issue. Um, he does have a history of um, working in, in D.C. And so with that, you know, he's going to bring some, some money with him and some support um, from D.C. So, you know, again, we'll see an influx of some support coming from out of state um, for this race. You know, Congressman Grothman has been pretty consistent on, on his record as, as being very conservative and, um, you know, very much uh, standing with President Trump. And so, like all things, I think this year, it's, you know, that's going to be one of the big points that, that people look at. And, and so it'll be interesting. And, and yes, that's my home district. So it'll be interesting to see if there's actually some, some more attention um, that we see there. So I, I would encourage people to, to look at that one too. And, and obviously I think healthcare um, will be an important issue as it is in all races. But I, I think we might see that um, become much more elevated um, in this race as well. And finally, we have the gigantic seventh, or not finally, I'm sorry, but the, the, we do have the, the gigantic seventh congressional district with uh, incumbent Sean Duffy in the, the Northwoods uh, taking on a couple Democratic challengers that will have to fight it out in a primary, including the third of our physicians that we're mentioning. Um, Dr. Brian Ewart from the Marshfield Clinic System uh, is, is running in the primary as the Democrat to take on Sean Duffy. And that's, that's always an interesting one because Congressman Duffy is quite good at getting on uh, any kind of media that's out there. Oh, He's yeah. one of those you don't want to be between him and a microphone. And then when he, <laughs> when he does get on, it's very, you know, he, he does a good job talking. Now, that said, uh, this is one of those districts where a lot of people are going to be wondering how it's going to shake out from, uh, um, from a midterm standpoint. Absolutely. You know, after the election, one of the things that was kind of consistently discussed in the news was this dichotomy that, that that seventh district went very strongly for President Trump, um, but also saw a really a high influx of people that were reliant upon the Affordable Care Act marketplace. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, that was one of the congressional districts where we actually saw enrollment and participation in the marketplace, um, you know, being at odds basically with, with how they voted. And, and so that's kind of an interesting aspect. Um, of that district. Again, very, very rural, very vast, um, a lot of miles you, you put on the car. But yeah, I think you nailed it. You know, Sean Duffy's very media savvy and, and he's out there all the time. Um, you know, like a lot of these um, both incumbents and candidates, but him in particular, I think very active on, on social media. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll, we'll see that come into play in, in all of these uh, races as well. And then for the first time in a long time, the eighth is kind of sleepy. 
compared to the rest of the of the congressional races, which we haven't seen in a long time. A lot of times that was one of those that people paid a lot of attention to. But we have uh, first-time incumbent Mike Gallagher um, taking on a Democratic candidate, and there isn't a whole lot of attention being paid to that one compared to some of the other ones. And I think a lot of these uh, national pollsters have it rated as a safe GOP seat. And I, you know, it's it's hard to hard to see that the Democrats are putting in an awful lot of attention into this one because they see opportunities in other districts. Do you think that's right? I do. I mean, you know, to take a step back, Green Bay has been one of those places nationally that's that's really been a focal point because it kind of you know is a bellwether mm-hmm. um, aside from from the Packers. But you know, <laughs> to his credit, um, Congressman Gallagher, I, I think, has you know positioned himself quite well as, as being a, a problem solver. He's kind of picked up that mantle from the, the previous um, Congressman Reed Ribble mm-hmm. and, you know, be part of that problem solver caucus. And, and, and you know, he really has positioned himself well, I, I think, in a um, bipartisan way. And, and, you know, you have to think that that plays into this as well. So it is it is interesting to note that it's it's not going to be up there in the, uh, the top uh, funded, top watched uh, so we'll see. I guess, you know, that'll free up money to go elsewhere. Yeah, you never know. We'll, we'll see what happens. And, of course, we always want to mention we're not endorsing anybody. We're just observing. Everyone has their own opinions about uh, about different candidates, and we love everybody equally. So let's, let's just make sure we know that. Um, so that's kind of the wrap-up of the federal side. One last statewide race that's worth mentioning is the, the attorney general's race. Um, we, it's, it's one that, if you talk to political insiders, there's um, some interesting takes on it. You have the incumbent Brad Schimmel. Um, taking on uh, Josh Call from the Democratic Party. There is a third-party candidate there from the Constitution Party. Um, But that's one that a lot of people think that if you have folks coming into the ballot box and they're really hot on voting for or against Scott Walker or for or against Tammy Baldwin, they'll get to the attorney general spot, make their vote, and then a lot of times they leave. They're done. They've made, they've made their three votes and they go. And you see that in the vote totals afterwards, that there's definitely some folks that come into the ballot, uh, the ballot place, and they make like one or two votes and then they leave, which is, is interesting, but, you know, that's fine. So there's some folks that think that um, in, a, in a blue wave scenario that Attorney General Schimmel could be in some trouble. And so, uh, but we'll see. Uh, there's, as, as has been said before, it's still pretty early, but we wanted to make sure we mentioned that one. Before we get on to the state races, so we're definitely not going to go into this one um, item by item or race by race. But after yesterday's special election split, where the uh, Democratic candidate in the um, the first Senate district, which is the Door County area, um, Caleb Frostman, beat a, a sitting Assembly representative, Andre Jacques, who was running for that special seat. This was an oddly timed pair of elections. Uh, it took a lawsuit to require these special elections to be held. Um, the turnout was not tremendous by any stretch. If you look at the vote totals, there were probably, in the Senate district, there were 28,000 votes in the first. Uh, when you talk with, with um, um, people that follow this a lot, they're predicting 77,000 votes in November in the, in the first Senate district. That said, it's the first time with, with uh, Caleb Frostman's win last night, it is the first time that a Democrat has held that first seat uh, since Gerald Ford was in office. And at least I don't think you and I could even vote back then. No, not eligible. (laughs) And we'll stick to that story. Um, So, I mean, there's obviously a lot of attention last night as as, uh, um, uh, Frostman was victorious. And with the the change, it's it's another indicator that puts the split right now in the state Senate at 18 Republicans and 15 Democrats. 
Um, as we look at the state Senate, there are some very interesting races that the Republicans are currently holding office and are going to have to defend. And that makes things always more difficult, especially in a midterm when you're not sure what's what. So you're going to have, interestingly enough, most likely a repeat of last night's election in the first uh, in November, because both candidates uh, that were in the general election yesterday are running again. Um, Andre Jacques has to face a primary, but it's likely, well, I guess it's likely that he makes his way through that you could have just a, another repeat of that election um, in the first Senate district. So we'll see what goes on there. Some other interesting ones in the state Senate that, that are, are are um, facing open seats is the fifth, as we've mentioned, Senator Leo Vukmir running for U.S. Senate. You have uh, Representative Dale Coinga from Brookfield taking on Julie Henze from Wauwatosa, a Democrat. Um, even though that seat tends to be very uh, Republican historically, there are some indications that um, it, was, it was light in the presidential race where Donald Trump did not do particularly well. And then in the, in the recent um, state Supreme Court race, um, Judge Rebecca Dallet, the more liberal of the two uh, candidates running for that seat, was able to win that district in the fifth. And so a lot of people are, are looking at that seat as a potential surprise, potentially, to, to maybe um, switch over to uh, the Democratic side. Um, in the 17th, in the southwest part of the state, you have Senator Howard Markline, a Republican from Spring Green, taking on uh, Chris Marion, who is a Democrat from Blanchardville. That's an area that, um, that Dale Schultz used to hold and, and was a perennial target of the Democrats. Um, Dale Schultz tended to be more of a rabble-rouser in the middle, as mm -hmm. has been mentioned in the past, that sometimes it's, if it's your rabble-rouser, you like them. Um, Senator Markline has been more on the uh, typical conservative side, but he works uh, his tail off in the district. But I know it's a top target of the Democrats in the southwest part. That continues to be really 50-50. Yeah. It's, it's really, really close. And, yeah, that, that's always a, a place to, to watch. And that's where turnout is just so key. I mean, mm -hmm. getting you getting your folks. That's another rural rural area. Um, it's a it's a big district. It it kind of fingers its way up into the the middle part of the state, uh, even though it's on the southwest border with Iowa. Um, so that's another one. Um, an open seat in the twenty third, which is the Eau Claire Chippewa Falls area. You have uh, Senator Terry Moulton, the Republican from Chippewa Falls retiring. So Assembly Representative Kathy Bernier from Chippewa Falls is taking on um, our fourth uh, physician that we're going to mention, Chris Kapsner, an emergency room physician from Boyceville. Um, and that seat will be one that uh, both sides think they have a pretty good shot on. Again, the Democrats see it as a, as a target for turning it over. Um, so, so that'll be one where um, we'll, we'll have to probably go deep into the night to see what's going on there. The last one is, is an interesting one, although when you dig into it a little bit more, you're not quite sure. It's the 31st seat. Uh, Senator Kathleen Vinehout, as mentioned before, Democrat from Alma, running for governor. So that creates an open seat. Uh, the candidates there uh, on the Republican side, Mel Pittman from Plum City, owns and operates a 75-cow dairy farm and 240 acres of cropland, um, ran against Senator Vinehout in 2014 and got 47.6% of the vote in what was considered to be a GOP wave uh, time, so um, wasn't able to win then. There's a three-way Democratic primary, which is interesting. You have Steve Bowe. A uh, Democrat from Taylor, who's the Director of Local Affairs for the Wisconsin Farm Bureau. You have a familiar name in that area with Jeff Smith from Eau Claire. He's a former state rep, uh, but lost twice to Representative Warren Petrick on the Republican side for Assembly, who, who was able to beat 
um, uh, Representative Smith at the time, and then John Schultz, uh, Trempolo County Board Supervisor. And I'll tell you what, there isn't going to be a lot of analysis on this one because nobody really knows who the heck anyone is, and, and it's difficult to spend money in that district because there aren't any big media markets. It, it's really kind of weird. And then, and then throw into the mix, there's a Green Party candidate. So that could make it interesting, but we'll see. So, so right now you, you've got that, um, that very um, narrow split between the parties in the Senate, and, and come November when those elections come out, I know that the Senate Democrats right now are feeling um, that their chances are good to have, um, to have the ability to take over the state Senate, but we shall see. The assembly side's a little different. It's currently 64 Republican members, 35 Democrats. And uh, last night in the special election in the much-anticipated uh, race in the 42nd, which is uh, Columbia County north of, of Madison, uh, Republican John Plummer ended up winning uh, by a margin that was probably a little bit wider than folks thought might happen. Uh, the Democrat Ann Groves Lloyd was, was much loved on the Democratic side and being touted as a, as a pretty strong potential candidate. But the outcome at the end was 53 to 45%, which actually does kind of fit with that district historically when you when you talk with some folks. So um, that's where the hashtag blue trickle stuff started yeah, coming out exactly. from Speaker Voss and some others, uh, you know, kind of trying to get get in front of that that uh, that side. But the the numbers are so lopsided in terms of the the GOP versus Dem on the assembly side. It's interesting when you look at the 35 Democratic seats, 29 of them. Are either going to are 29 of the Democrats are either going to run unopposed, so they're back in, or they face a token third-party candidate, or they're in an, a, a seat that's been vacated by a Democrat, and so it's just a Democratic primary. So of the 35 Democratic seats, there's only six that have a true bona fide Democratic versus Republican race, which is just kind of an interesting observation in a number of ways. So the attention is going to be on the Republican seats, um, uh, some that are in seats that. Um, that may be considered to be more democratic and might have overperformed in the past. Um, that's going to be some interesting numbers as well, and that's where a wave, if it happens, might be able to put some people over the over the over the edge. And, and we won't get into the seats that are, are being paid attention to right now because there's a lot of them. Um, but generally, they are the Republican incumbents. Uh, facing Democratic challengers in a midterm election, which is oftentimes difficult for the uh, party that is in power at the time. And so that's what we'll be looking at. Uh, one last observation, I guess, just from the political geekiness standpoint, and Lord knows I do that enough. But, uh, you know, there's so much attention being paid by the Republicans on their win in the Assembly and the Democrats on their, on their win in the Senate. You know, when you look at the vote totals, it's just so, it's so different, and it's so much lower right now. And quite honestly, candidates matter. And I think you know, when people try to take election results from a Tuesday night and turn it into these broad-based statements on national politics or state politics, it reminds me of the whole, be careful about the difference between correlation and causation. You know, we're in the hashtag science business here at the Medical Society, and, and unfortunately, you know, for those of us that follow political aspects, it's the same kind of thing. There's going to be a lot more people turning out in November. Um, the strength of the candidates really matters. We see it all the time. Like Lisa and I, we've been around the block. You can tell sometimes when a candidate's legit and a candidate's yeah. not legit. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, obviously it's still so early. Um, we, we know a lot that people don't 
tend to really tune in until after Labor Day and frankly that's after you know the primary and so it's really a struggle to uh, you know break through I mean especially looking at all the Democrats running for governor that's you know there's going to be a lot of you know activity on the ground which is a good thing you know a lot of you know different progressive groups will be you know talking to the candidates and bringing them into their different audiences but it's hard to break through during a Wisconsin summer when we're all trying to vacation with our families and enjoy every bit of sunshine that we can. I, I think, you know, obviously the uh, state and national economy is going to be a, a really important factor in terms of how people ultimately turn out and vote. And the one thing in particular that we've seen kind of consistently is when you see polling and you see the results, if, if people feel like you're on the right track, that bodes very well for the people that are in power. So obviously that would be the, the Republicans um, in, in the state context. So that right track, wrong track um, question and how, how that is uh, answered, that's a pretty good indicator. So stay tuned. And, and if you are, you know, receiving one of those phone calls, I encourage you to answer it. I, I think it's always fun to, to be able to be one of those numbers in the poll. Well, that's where you and I differ. I think that when, when I see a number coming in my cell and I don't know what it is, it, I, I swipe down to the to the red button every time. Um, but but thank you. Thank you for uh, for that. It's it's a it's a good it's a good thing to, to talk about. So um, that'll do it for this this episode of the uh, WISMED on call. It was a long one. But, uh, you know, this is the kind of stuff that we like to talk about, and this is the stuff that we do here uh, in the hallways when we're talking with legislators and candidates. Uh, as always, it's a reminder that if you would like to contribute to your candidate of choice or play within the elections world, um, a lot of these candidates and, and legislators want to get the support of physicians. And if you make a monetary contribution through our WISMED PAC or WISMED Direct programs, Heidi Green here at the Society is more than happy to help you out. I can tell you that physicians' uh, contributions are noticed when they happen in the legislature or to the political parties. It matters a lot, and we can help make it easy. And if you're going to give, give through the Medical Society, darn it. You still get the credit, and then so do we, and, and so we hope that, that uh, you can think about doing that. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about this podcast, you can email us at communications at wismed.org. You can also find the, the WISMED on call on our website. And if you're listening through the website, that's great. Thanks very much. It's actually helpful if you subscribe to the podcast through your um, subscription source of choice, whether that's iTunes, Google Play. My personal favorite is Pocket Casts. I use that. Um, it, it's, it's a great way to stay in touch with the society and what's going on. And we always want you to uh, have the opportunity to hear some of the latest things that are happening. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next edition of WISMED On Call. <laughs>